Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KBI. It is Happy Hour in the Pacific Northwest, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your Commodore of Cocktails and Master Mixologist. Here's today, it's 11 a.m. in Seattle and beyond, and it's Happy Hour. Welcome. Hey, uh, I'm really proud to announce the winners of the Seattle Wine Awards and the Oregon Wine Awards. If you're looking for fantastic local Washington and Oregon wine, check out SeattleWineAwards.com and OregonWineAwards.com for, uh, let's see who's bringing home the gold and double gold. Silvers and bronze, all these great wines uh, vetted by a professional panel, internationally known, recognized. uh, That's a song, isn't it? Internationally known. Well, SeattleWineAwards.com and OregonWineAwards.com. I'm really excited about today's show, as I am with every show, because it's happy hour. I've got Lucio Ramos from Lustau Sherry. Uh, we're going to chat up about uh, this fantastic Spanish wine. It's National Sherry Week. Well, it was actually last week, but, uh, you know, let's we'll call it National Sherry Month. I was enjoying some sherry in this beautiful sunshine. There's nothing better, more refreshing and delicious with uh, olives and Marcona almonds than sherry. I also have uh, an old friend of mine who's ventured out on his own, Paul Greggett. You might remember him from the Seattle Times, the wine enthusiast, and uh, now he is commander of Waitsburg Cellars over there, uh, just outside of Walla Walla. Paul Greggett will be here. But right now, Lucia Ramos, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Well, uh, we missed Sherry Week, but I'm glad you're here because uh, I love Sherry, and I always have. Sherry is uh, a Spanish fortified wine, um, from the lower left-hand corner, right? Andalusia or Andalusia? Andalusia. Andalusia, of course. And uh, it's uh, fermented from the Palomino grape primarily. It's a, it's a white wine, a ferment, uh, fermented and fortified white wine. So give me your take on the history of sherry. Um, well, so sherry goes back to the uh, Phoenicians, so it's been... Uh, one of the major uh, wines in the south of Spain for many, many years. And um, up to today, it's a very fascinating um, wine. And um, sherry always has to come from what they call the sherry triangle. So there are three main towns, um, Jerez de la Frontera, El Puerto de Santa Maria, and Sanlúcar de Barrameda. Uh, so in it order, sounds like uh, Columbus ships almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. <laughs> so in order to be sherry, it needs to come from those three, uh, from one of those three uh, towns. Um, sherry, I mean, for the most part, as you said, uh, it's the Palomino grape, uh, especially for all the dry sherries. For sweet sherries, we have Moscatel and PX. Uh, PX, which is Pedro, Pedro Jimenez. Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jimenez. I, I got to learn the Spanish take. <laughs> My Spanish is a little different than your Spanish. Uh, well, as it should be. <laughs> That's the restaurant industry for us. Um, so, I mean, most of the people are under the impression, of course, that sherry, it's a sweet wine, but there is actually more dry sherries. There is a wider 
range of uh, dry sherries than sweet sherries. Um, the cream sherries were the ones that people were confused on, right? The cream sherries are what people thought were sweet. Well, they actually are sweet. They are actually sweet, and we need to talk to the British people uh, about <laughs> blame that. Blame the Brits. And blame the Brits uh, for cream sherries. But there are delicious cream sherries in the market right now. So let's step back. So we are talking about three towns on the coast of Spain in the lower, in the, the Atlantic? Yeah, so we have Jerez is inland. Jerez de la Frontera, it's inland. So the sherries that come from Jerez are a little bit different to the ones that come from Sanlúcar and El Puerto de Santa Maria. Uh, sherries from Jerez tend to be a little bit sharper, uh, just the less humidity than El Puerto in Sanlúcar, uh, that the humidity allows the floor to grow a little bit thicker, so protects the wine a little bit more. Um, Interesting. So you mentioned something which I'm not, not sure if our listeners know. What what makes sherry unique is that it's actually white wine that's been fermented to dryness. Then it's uh, been aguardente, right? They've been fortified. Fortified. Uh-huh. And then something very special happens to sherry. It's called a floor. Mm-hmm. And floor is the yeast which lays on top of this, of the... Uh, almost full barrels, the half, are they half full? They're, no, they're almost full. So sherry barrels are uh, 600 liter barrels, so they're big American. And they call them? Uh, butts. The butts, I like yeah. big butts, big <laughs> sherry. <The> butts. <laughs> <laughs> they call them the butts, uh, which my pronunciation um, sometimes doesn't help to say butts. But um, yeah, they call them the butts, so they're 600 liters, but we only fill them up to 500. So we allowed some air for that floor for that yeast to grow on top of the wine. Um, the floor, the yeast, it's called floor because if you actually look at them, they look like little flowers. Oh. Um, so it's a natural yeast uh, due to the environment and uh, conditions of, of the sherry triangle. And let's talk uh, about that environment. Very hot? It's very hot. Um, it's very humid. And um, and that, I mean, and that combination of humidity and... And heat, and, and it's good for yeast. It's good for the yeast, yeah. yeah. And so um, the yeast adds is a, is a protective layer, so it, it, it oxidizes very slowly. And oxidation uh, is the stuff that turns apples brown and bananas brown. That's the oxygen, the antioxidant is the whole craze. But here, we want oxi- oxygenation here in our sherry, right? Yeah, well, depending on what you're doing. I mean, obviously, you have sherries that are aged under the floor the entire time, like finos and manzanillas. Um, those are not oxidized. They're bone dry, and they're aged under that layer of floor during the entire time. Uh, Amontillados and palo cortados, they're kind of like a mix of what we call biological aging, which is the age, the aging under the floor, and oxidative aging, which is aging under the floor. Oh, yes. With no floor, So two two styles of uh, aging process. The Mm -hmm. biological, where you get all the flavors from the yeast, nuttiness and bread, and then (laughs) biological, it's with the floor, (laughs) and oxidative, it's with no floor. With the air. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. Uh, so depending on what type of sherry, uh, what style of sherry you're, you know, you wanna uh, you wanna make, it will be either biological aging, oxidative aging, or a mix of both. And so when we talk about these, we're talking about fino and manzanilla are very bright, very pale yellow sherries, and these are the biological agings, lots of yeasty, nutty flavors, and then the the amontillado and the palo cortados, and then are the uh, oxidative aging, which have even more. Tell me about the flavors in those ones. Nutty. So Amontillados and Palo Cortados are a mix. So they are aged under the floor for the first period of their lives. And then we basically fortify them a little bit higher and we kill the floor. So the floor will never survive above 15%. So Amontillados and Palo Cortados uh, are normally 17%. Right. And then they end up aging uh, without the floor. So they start oxidating and they get more nutty 
uh, flavors, more caramel, more coffee. We are going so fast. Uh, this is really exciting. I'm glad I love sherry. <laughs> Speaking with uh, Lucia Ramos of Lustau Sherry Company. And is it, um, what is it called? A sherry company? What's it called? A, a house? Uh, a house, a bodega. Uh-huh. A bodega. A bodega. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we are talking about Fino, Manzanilla, Amontillado, Percatado, and... Uh, Olorosos. Olorosos. But I see two wines in my glass, and uh, Lustau... Um, What's best for the summertime is when it's hot out. Which is the best sherry to enjoy then? And cold, right? Yeah, for sure, finos and manzanillas. So finos and, manza- finos and manzanillas are literally the same thing. Uh, finos are always going to be from Jerez uh, or from El Puerto de Santa Maria. And manzanillas are always going to be from San Lucar, San Lucar de Barrameda. So if you go to San Lucar and order a fino, you might be kicked out <laughs> of a bar. So don't, don't do that. Just um, ask for sherry, right? Yeah, just ask for sherry, yeah. Well, when you say Jerez, too, we're talking about Jerez, right? J-E-R-E-Z. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we'll say Jerez. So impress your friends and uh, head on down to Aragona and actually say you'll have a Jerez. Uh-huh. Sherry or a sherry from Jerez. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and Lustau is 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 it Lustau or Lusto or? Uh, I guess in the past it was Lusto because mm-hmm. it's uh, French origins, but um, nowadays the Spanish pronunciation would be Lustau. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which city or village or of the triangle? Which corner of that triangle is Lustau? So Lustau, it's actually our uh, the main bodega. It's in Jerez. Uh, but they also have another bodega in um, El Puerto de Santa Maria. So that's where our um, Solera Reserva Range, as we call it, the bread and butter of Lustau Sherries, are uh, done in Jerez and in El Puerto y Santa Maria. But they actually offer 39 different sherries. 39? Yeah. And that's because we uh, use uh, the Almacenista range, or we have the Almacenista range, which is ah. two of the uh, sherries that you have um, on your glass. And basically, the Almacenistas are, you know, very small sherry producers. In the past, they would just make wine on their back of their, you know, houses in their garage and sell it to larger producers to be blended with other, um, with their, you know, main uh, sherry production. Today, Lustau works with five different Almacenistas from the three towns of the Triangle. So we are able to offer uh, finos, manzanillas, olorosos, palo cortados, and olorosos from Jerez, El Puerto, and San Lucar de Barrameda. And what's cool about the Almacenistas, I got to say this correctly, Almacenistas. Almacenistas. Almacenistas, mm-hmm. is that they're really like single origin sherries, right? Yeah, they absolutely. Have, it's like single vineyard kind of stuff, mm-hmm, which is really cool because uh, I've got two in front of me the Fino del Puerto, and the other is the Manzanilla Pasado de San Lucar. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Wow, you're making me sound mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Well, um, tell you what, let's let's jump into this uh, Lustau Almacenista mm-hmm. Fino del Puerto, and it's in a 500 uh, milliliter bottle, or is this a 375? 500. 500, great. I like bigger bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pale sherry, it's a Fino, so it's nice and bright. And tell me what flavors I should be looking for in this wine. So, uh, uh the finos, as you said, they're very light, they're crisp, but they're bone dry. So the flavors you should be uh, looking at are more like the bready um, flavors coming from the yeast. Bread, not bread. Bread, yeah. bread. <laughs> not potato mice. It's for all those wine people out there. Mm. Well, I just took a sip. You're right. It's bright. Straw. Um, it's very pale color. It's very powerful wine. If if mm-hmm. If people love, I say this, if they like Chardonnays, um, it always reminds me of white burgundy. Just in the length and the great bright acidity and like a good Chablis, it's very bright, high mm-hmm. acid. Very high acid. Um, because uh, El Puerto uh, de Santa Maria is right by the sea, you can totally feel the saltiness in the wine. 
Um, I can taste it. There's a little bit of salinity here, mm-hmm. um, and that's what why it goes so well with olives and Marcona almonds and oysters. anchovies and oysters and uh, anything you want. Uh, what's great about for me for sherry is that you can serve it really cold. I don't think you can ever serve sherry too cold because if it's you're sitting in the sun, it's going to warm up. And besides, you only pour small glasses of it, and boom, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you drink it as a regular white wine. I mean, once you open it, you put it in the fridge. It lasts for a week. So. Yeah, for the young Fino sherries, mm-hmm. I think the older yeah. sherries, obviously, with the oxidative aging, probably oh, yeah, last no, a little longer. Oh, four or six months, up to a year, even the sweet sherries. Oh, this yeah. is fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. So how much of the Almanzanista sherry is being produced in this particular Fino del Puerto uh, line? Um, so it's very small. If you look at the label uh, of the Almazenista, you'll always see the name of the Almazenista himself. Uh, you'll see the type of sherry, and then on the very bottom, you'll see the amount of butts that the Solera has Oh, okay. on the front label. Yeah, I'm going to look at this. Uh, I see one of 83. Yeah, so we bottle one butt out of 83 butts that the Solera has. Wow. And we only bottle the Almacenistas. Uh-huh. We only bottle them once a year, and as you know, in Jerez, you're only allowed to take out up to 25%. Every year. Yeah, um, so we'll get into the whole idea of uh, fractional blending in the Solera system and the Cria Dare here with Lucia, Lucia Ramos of Lustau Sherry here on Happy Hour Radio. And coming up on the show, I've got Paul Greggett, uh, former Seattle Times wine columnist, uh, current wine enthusiast, uh, Washington correspondent, and now the uh, chief commander and, uh, well, he's the guy behind Waitsburg Cellars. Also coming up later in the show, uh, I have uh, Gianna Hoffmeister from Spokane will be chatting about this really, really fun event called Swirl. Um, but right now, I've got a little bit of Fino Sherry, in my, and if you were to give me uh, what what type of, well, what other foods? This is a, Fino Sherry is always an aperitif, you think? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, it's very common for us to drink it as an aperitif when it's, you know, hot with olives and almonds, but it goes very good with plate of charcuteries also. Ah. And um, they, there is a saying in Jerez that says that finos and manzanillas pair very good with things that swim. <laughs> Amontillados and palo cortados with things that fly. And olorosos with things that run. Okay. So well, anywhere from fish to salads. Um, I love it. This is great. This is really fun. Uh, Lucio Ramos, uh, we'll be right back on this break on Happy Hour Radio, and we're going to dive into more sherry on Happy Hour Radio. This is Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. If you love wine as much as I do, you'll join me Sunday, June 15th for Swirl Washington. I'm talking about a trip to Spokane to join Washington's greatest wineries. Taste wine, enjoy a deluxe room at the Davenport Hotel and Towers. Sunday, June 15th from 6 to 9 p.m. Swirl Washington, Spokane's greatest wine event. Tickets available at visitspokane.com. That's visitspokane.com. Breaking down the big stories. Glenn Beck, weekdays 9 to noon on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. 
Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. That is me, Christopher Chan, your advanced sommelier, speaking with Lucia Ramos of Lustau Sherry. I've got uh, two fantastic single-origin sherries in my glasses, and we always have glasses here. I've got the uh, Lustau Almazanista Fino del Puerto, which is a delicious Fino sherry. And the next sherry we're going to try is the Manzanilla Posado del San Lucar. Uh, so, Lucia, tell me about this particular wine. So the manzanilla pasada, it's um, it, it's a really uh, cool sherry. Uh, if you translate manzanilla pasada, it translates like an expired manzanilla. So basically, it's an old manzanilla. Uh, your manzanillas are normally aged between three to five years. Uh, this manzanilla pasada is a ten to twelve year old uh, manzanilla. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I just I just tasted it. It it is the most beautifully delicate wine, but it has such power, finesse. Length. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm in heaven. I'm it, in Spanish heaven. Yeah. Uh, definitely the finos are a little bit, you know, have rougher edges. And uh, as I said, they're a little bit harder. Uh, it's like shooting drink. whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're not used to sweet, uh, sorry, uh, bone dry uh, sherries. But the manzanilla pasada is the opposite. It's They're very elegant. They're, they're a little bit creamier. Uh, they're almost getting to an amonti- a, a very young amontillado. Um, and they're very round, have a very long uh, finish, and the complexity is just amazing. Wow. You know, I've been on the sherry bandwagon for about three and a half years because it's really, truly one of the most elegant wines in the world uh, with the complexity. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what truly, in, in this this simple, pale-looking wine is so complex. It's got a great long finish. So this is the Manthania Posado de San Lucar, the Almathanista from Lustau, a 500-milliliter bottle. Fantastic wine. What would this run retail on the shelves at Spanish Table? Uh, the Almacenista range, it's a little bit uh, more pricey than the Solera range just because of, you know, everything yeah, that gets origin. into it. Get yeah. it. So the Manzanilla Pasada should be at around... Thirty dollars. Thirty bucks. Yeah. For well, the bottle. you know, for for what we pay for white burgundy. Oh yeah. <laughs> this no, is absolutely. Aged a lot longer. Mm-hmm. This is like a fine champagne, truly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's it's delicious. I'm so excited to have it. So, um, you said there's 39 different styles of sherry that Lustau produces, and including the Almathanista. And that includes the Almathanistas. Yeah. yeah wow. 39. So when people say I don't like sherry, I just can't believe it. There I must can't be at least either. one. They just haven't had good sherry, and, and uh, truly, this is delicious. Yeah. So I know Lustau does other things, and I know you poured me a little bit of brandy. And um, for all those people who like whiskey and cognac, um, Spanish brandy is something really to behold. Tell me about this. Yeah, so, I mean, the brandy de Jerez, it's, um, you know, by far uh, one of the gems that uh, we have in Spain that comes from Jerez. So it's always uh, comes from the Airen. Uh, the Airen grape. Airen grape, yeah. Um, so a little bit of palomino sometimes. And in order to be, you know, called brandy de Jerez, uh, it needs to be aged in... Um, sherry casks in sherry butts mm. uh, so it does the same thing as sherry in terms of like it goes into the solera system but sherry butts have mu- they must have been seasoned for at least 30 years um, so the one that you're tasting it's our middle tier so it's a 10 year brandy okay. that has been aged in amontillado and oloroso casks mm, that's what gives a little bit of sweetness mm-hmm. it's a very dark yeah. color it looks like coca-cola actually mm-hmm. this is the color of coca-cola it's called Lustau brandy de jerez uh, solera grand reserva mm-hmm. and uh it's absolutely fantastic well lucia um i'm so pleased i wish we had more time i've got paul greggett with waitsburg sellers coming up and we have to chat up with him um but i want to tease people if you're interested in sherry we should be going send them to my friend uh, uh chris tangier at aragona uh the harvest vine 
um, Spanish Table, and of course our friends over at Tango, right? Yeah, yeah. They have absolutely. all these sherries. And if we want to learn more about sherry, where would we go? Well, um, first of all, I mean, Lustau has a great web- uh, website, lustau.com. Uh, that one has a link uh, to what is called lustauwineaffairs.com that it's, you know, full of uh, cocktail recipes and food pairing recommendations and so on. Um, and then they're great. I mean, I encourage everyone to read more about <laughs> sherry and their fascinating books out there. Uh, and yeah, resources to, to become more and more uh, familiar with it because it's a world with no end. Uh, well, fantastic. <laughs> I encourage everyone to enjoy Sherry, especially Lustau or Hidalgo for my friends Steve yeah, Metzler. Um, and Lucia Ramos, thank you for joining me on thank Happy you, Hour Radio. Um, Paul Greggett, my old friend from West Seattle, now in Waitsburg Cellars. So happy you're here, and I'd like to say welcome to Happy Hour. And great to be here. Good to see you, my friend. It's been a long time, and uh, you've been hiding out in Waitsburg doing some fun things. Uh, no, the obscure community of Waitsburg, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> it is cute. Um, uh, is Who else lives there? I know that you and Karen live there, but... Jim German and his wife Claire oh, live there. Yes, Jim was the bartender at Campania for many years. He has a lot of friends uh, that make the trek over just simply to drink his brilliant cocktails. Uh, yeah, and I've been so tempted, but it's hard. They're like laced potato chips. <laughs> can't just have no, one. No, and uh, recently, I've a uh, buddy of mine that moved there from Whidbey Island, and we go way back, and we're the house band now at Jim German Bar. Uh, hat, no hat. Hat, no hat. See, hat, uh, I'm hat. Oh, got it. It's, <laughs> it's not hair, no hair, right? <laughs> well, we're heading that way, yeah. <laughs> you want to join the band? Uh, if you need a drummer, <laughs> let me know. I'm, I still got some sticks. Uh, so, cool. You've had a long history in uh, Seattle wine and Northwest wine, I should say, um, reviewing for, obviously, for the Seattle Times, now for the wine enthusiasts. But you got bit. You got bit. And tell me about the uh, inspiration behind Waitsburg Cellars. Well, Waitsburg Cellars came about a couple of years ago, and it grew out of a, a consulting relationship that I had with Precept Wines. And uh, kind of out of the blue, uh, Andrew Brown and uh, was at my house, and uh, we were talking about other other things. But he said, how would you like to uh, start a, a wine label? Uh, and I said, well, you know, Andrew, I know way too much about the business and how hard it is and, and, and how much <laughs> talent it takes to ever think that I wanted to do it. He said, well, what if we, you know, blank slate, you just tell me what you want to do uh, and and we'll make it happen. So with that as the challenge, I, I, I just pondered it for a little while and I realized he basically was offering me a big box of crayons and a blank canvas and uh, a chance to do do something special. So uh, that was really the genesis of it. Uh, it's a partnership between me and Andrew. Uh, and he brings all the resources of Precept, and I bring uh, my uh, fertile imagination. And I wanted to showcase what I would call hidden strengths of Washington State. And that was where we came up with the first ideas to do Chenin Blanc uh, and and old vines and aromatic whites and to really uh, take advantage of these 35-year-old Chenin vines that are largely getting pulled out and show what what they can do when they're uh, not overcropped. Wow. Well, it's uh, it's very um, it's an enriching it's enthralling to to know that someone's reviving some of the original vine stock that Washington was kind of known for. I mean, better or worse, this stuff I've had your wine, and I'm not. This is great. 
Thank congratulations you. to all the team at Precept and Hal and and everybody. But to have the inspiration to go back and and show people how great Chenin Blanc can be is really amazing. I love the acidity. Thank you. Yeah, I got bit by the Shannon bug on a couple of visits to the Loire Valley years ago. And in, 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 in any number of wine columns that I wrote over the years of reviewing Shannon's, I would say, boy, I wish somebody in Washington would really grab hold of this and really make it to the quality that's, that's possible. And a few people did, and I got to tip my hat to Marty Club in particular, who who was making and still does make brilliant Shannon at Le Col, and he and I split this vineyard now. He gets ah. he gets the majority of it, and he wishes he got it all, but I got a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Waitsburg Cellars, you've got uh, three wines for me today. You've brought the Shenanier. How do you say that? Yeah, we actually have six wines, if, six you're, wines. if you're up for it. Well, I am, but we're going to have to have you back for the other three. Oh, gee. Okay. All right. Yeah, so what we have is the two Shannons. Uh, these are both from the same site at the Upland Vineyard. I call all the white wines the aromatics. The Upland Vineyard is on Snipes Mountain. It was planted back in the late 70s. I gave them proprietary names to differentiate the two styles. So the Chenonier is based on a Sauvignier. The Chevrolet is based on a Vouvray. And that's because we, when you taste them side by side, you'll see they're quite different, even though they're from the same exact location. I love the names. Um, I'm kind of curious about the inspiration behind. W- what time did those names pop into your head? Well, when we were d- doing the label design, and I, I, I wanted to, I didn't want to just go with Chenin Blanc because it has too much baggage. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm a writer. So I, you know, I come up with this stuff. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> the inner depths, uh, that with that musical genius behind the, the the man behind the Paul Greggett here with uh, Waitsburg Cellars and uh, the partners of Precept Wine, which I, I truly admire. Precept, I'm I'm actually thinking about working on one of those projects myself. But when we come back from this break, uh, I want to talk about the Shenan. Sh- how do you say it? The Shenanier. Shenanier. The Chevrolet, and then you have a, a white wine called Three? The Three White, which is the newest uh, addition to the lineup. And uh, I also have Doug McRae in studio, and uh, Doug's going to join me for another show. We're going to spend a lot of time together. Uh, and so um, when we come back from this break here on Happy Hour Radio, I'm here with Paul Greggett and uh, his fantastic wines. Well, trust me, they are tasty. Waitsburg Cellars. If you have a question, send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And we'll be right back. Country is Seattle's big backyard, and spring is the time to enjoy it. With over 100 wineries and tasting rooms, plus microbreweries, distilleries, and dining, Woodenville has a taste for everyone. Go to WoodenvilleWineCountry.com for details on events, tastings, releases, and more. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalia, Christopher Chan. I am your sommelier, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with a longtime friend of mine, Paul Greggett, who has now ventured 
on the uh, the exciting path of winemaking and uh, winepreneur, as we'll call you. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. May I steal that? Please do. Uh, with Waitsburg Cellars here, um, and he's revived one of Washington's beloved grapes. In fact, one of the favorite grapes in the world, if, if you truly are a, a, a wine lover, you must try Chenin Blanc, uh, whether it's Loire Valley, Particularly Loire, I should say. And now um, Waitsburg Cellars is bringing some of that old world back to the new world. So, Greg, Paul, tell us about uh, Chevenier. The, well, I, I have the two different Chenins. And because there's been Chenin, wonderful Chenin Blancs made in Washington going way back into the 70s. But they were generally simple, sweet, early release wines that you'd pay four or five bucks a bottle for and, and chill them down and drink them. But they didn't attain the complexity that you can find in, in great Chenin Blancs from uh, other parts of the world. Part of that, I, I, I always believed, with with no particular evidence, had to do with the age of the vines. I, I have, I've always felt that old vines would give you a little extra if you uh, enabled that. And so... When the opportunity came to to actually design some wines, and I'm I'm not the winemaker. I'm actually officially called the wine director, and I work with some very talented winemakers. And uh, Ron Bunnell is particularly working closely with me on these white wines. So I wanted to showcase Chenin Blanc, and I wanted to use old vines. And 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 with Ron's help, we found a beautiful source at Upland, and. I said, well, let's try to do two different styles. And, and the Savigniers out of the Loire Valley are generally bone dry, very racy, uh, aromatic wines that, that are exceptionally long-lived. The Vouvray's come in all styles from sparkling to ultra-sweet, but the, the kind of the heart of the, of the plate for Vouvray is, is kind of a, a sweet tart vivid acidity but uh but also a, a little bit of sugar so so with the chenonier it's a proprietary name to reference savonier and to differentiate the style the chevray is to reference vouvray the chenonier is all stainless fermented it's generally around 12 and a half or just uh, not quite 13% alcohol the chevray is another two points. It's up closer to 15%. It spends some time in wood, and some of that is new wood. But they were picked on the same day from the same vineyard, from vines of the same age. And so what you what you see is is two completely different faces of the Chenin Blanc grape. This is true, and I have the pleasure of tasting them side by side. Lucky me. Um, the Chenonier is uh, is my preference. I believe it, it's it's beautifully elegant. Uh, the, the complexity of the, was it lees aging? Is that what you're doing? You're just adding a little more lees here? Um, or is it just a little oxidative, a micro-ox? Because uh, there's something reminiscent of a little Sauvignon there. Well, the, the, actually, the Chenonier is, is protected from oxidation. It didn't go through malolactic. It's, it's picked uh, at, at lower bricks, and we do as little as possible to it, quite honestly. Interesting. It's all stainless. Because it's very complex. 
Yes. And I'm trying to figure out where that complexity comes from. It comes from the old vines. <laughs> Voila. Bingo. Bingo. Okay. Well, <laughs> Doug is shaking his head. No, it's true. It, um, I love learning things. I hope our listeners learn something about the Waitsburg Cellars. And the Chevrolet. Um, curious, the new oak is, is a little... Um, well, it's it's a little tangent from what's what's happening for most Chenin Blanc in in the world. Um, there what? wasn't much of the new oak. I'm looking at the the, the sheet that that Ron prepared. He says 100% neutral bar- barrels. So I think they weren't entirely neutral. They were once used. Some uh, of them. There, there's there's not a lot of, of barrel in there, but there's a lot. There's a little bit of honey and a little bit of caramel, and and it's it's just another face of this this multifaceted grape that I truly love, which is Chenin Blanc. Well, I'll tell you, the, the acidity in the Chenin Blanc helps carry that texture, um, albeit very subtle texture. It's, uh, and I think that's what makes the Chenin Blanc such a lovely grape. Uh, it's a, it's a I don't want to call it, it's not a coiffer, but it's a great sipping wine. If you like Chardonnay, which has, if you like Burgundy, if you like Old World, get back into Chenin Blanc. Um, what do these retail for at, uh, at uh, our local Esquin or uh, Pete's or seventeen ish. Yeah, uh, full retail is going to be right around seventeen bucks. Yeah, well, that's it's a lot of wine for seventeen bucks, and uh, if you're paying for old vines here, and those old vines are working hard to produce um, some great flavors here. Uh, I love the uh, the citrus and some basically apple, more more apple than citrus, but um, the, the bright it, acidity. Yeah, it'll keep changing on you too. These are young; they're, they they've only been in the bottle a couple of months. And uh, they're, they're, they're definitely structured to age, as Shannon can do. Well, what are the plans? Are you, is this your, your whole lineup of whites? And actually, you have another white, which is called Three. Tell us about uh, this white. The Three uh, is, is a companion to the Three Red. The original, this is only our second vintage. So the original lineup was the two Shannons, a Riesling and a Three Red blend. We now have the two Shannons a three red, a Riesling, and a three white. The three white is all Dick Boucher vineyard fruit. And uh, it's a co-ferment of Picpoul and Grenache Blanc. And uh, that's about 60% together and 40% Marsan, all Boucher vineyard. And so it's a companion wine to the three red. Well, talk about aromatic. That's more aromatic than I could imagine. Maybe it's a little reductive at this point, but uh, it's quite it's quite aromatic. And it's surprising that you say Pickpool and Grenache Blanc because the first guy to do all that stuff was Doug McRae. I know. I, uh, it's stunning to run into Doug because uh, these are the vines that he put in the ground, and God bless him for it. That's very cool. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to have these, um, these serendipity moments on Happy Hour, and this is not the first. It's kind of ironic that uh, we have these opportunities to, to, to see the circle or the cycle of our, of our industry. Uh, and you were telling me you were a radio guy, and here you are back on radio talking about wine. The, the tables have truly turned. I was a wine guy now talking on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> really fun. So uh, Waitsburg Cellars also has, uh, you've got some Rieslings and uh, a red wine. And, yeah, and the, the three red, which is uh, also three different grapes. Again, trying to showcase Washington State strengths that uh, are a little bit under the radar. So when I decided to do a red blend, I thought, okay, what are three really killer grapes that shine as varietal wines that I might try blending? Merlot was obvious. Then I thought Malbec, because I love Washington Malbec. 
And the wild card and what I call the secret sauce is the Morved. You don't see a lot of varietal Morved, but what I have seen has been excellent. And I thought, why not try them as a blend? So I it came out, out first in my head as an idea, put it down on paper as something to try. We did the blending trials two years ago, and it worked. We did it again a year ago, and that's the wine we have here, uh, the new vintage. It worked again. We're now blending the 13, and so far, so good. I, I, the three grapes have a real nice synergy. That's cool. And what's production here for Waitsburg Cellars? You've got six wines, and where are we at total and, and individually? Uh, well, the, uh, we're incrementally growing very slowly. Totally, we're, uh, everything, we're about 1,800 cases, oh. so not a lot. Well, that is that is a sum, though. Well, that's, that's a good chunk. Yeah, no, these, You're feeding a, the masses to a degree. It's not one barrel, and, and these are, uh, I'm happy to say, I didn't just find finished wines and put uh, a name and a label on them. We're starting from scratch here. And uh, it's not a vanity project. It's kind of eating. It's eating up a lot of my life. <laughs> wow! Welcome to the other side, Paul Greg. Well, congratulations on this project. And um, I want you back. Uh, I, I wish we had more time, but I certainly want to get Doug McRae to chime in on some of these things. Doug, um, why don't you talk about some of the the Picpool and Grenache Blanc? I know we have one just a little segment. When we come back from the break, we'll get you more involved. But uh, tell me when you first planted Picpool and Grenache Blanc. Oh, good. Numbers. I believe that was somewhere probably about uh, 2005, but I could be wrong to specifically remember when we put them in the ground. Okay. Dick has just been a legend in our, you know, in our wine industry as a grape grower. And uh, no doubt we were on the cutting edge again when we decided to plant those guys. (laughs) Um, So really that little vineyard ended up being kind of a star of uh, some of the great whites uh, that are known predominantly from, um, you know, the Rhone Valley. However, of course, Garnacha Blanca is not originally the Rhone. We're back in Spain again. Well, let's tell you that when we come back from this break, um, we'll, we'll close up, we'll finish up with Paul, Gregett, and uh, we'll touch on, on, you've got a big history of Washington grapes and, of course, international grapes. So I love chatting with both Paul Gregett with WaitsburgSellers.com and Doug McRae with SlitaWine.com here on Happy Hour Radio. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. If you love wine as much as I do, you'll join me Sunday, June 15th for Swirl Washington. I'm talking about a trip to Spokane to join Washington's greatest wineries. Taste wine, enjoy a deluxe room at the Davenport Hotel and Towers, Sunday, June 15th from 6 to 9 p.m. Squirrel Washington, Spokane's greatest wine event. Tickets available at visitspokane.com. That's visitspokane.com. Breaking down the big stories. Glenn Beck, weekdays 9 to noon on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. That's right, it is happy hour here, and I've got the pleasure of two fine wine gentlemen. I've got Paul Gregg with Waitsburg Cellars and Doug McRae of Salida Wine. And right now I've got this uh, lovely... Well, I should say very interesting and lovely red wine in my glass. And Paul Greggett, tell me about this red 
wine called Three. Well, this was the first wine that I actually thought about doing uh, was a red blend. I wanted to do a red blend, and I wanted to showcase Washington strengths. And in my mind, I thought Merlot, Malbec, and why not the wild card, Morved. So after a lot of barrel tasting and blending trials, we came up with the first one. It was the 2011. You're tasting the second vintage, the 2012. One of the things I've learned that's been very challenging, uh, quite different from my reviewing days, is when you're making wine, trying to develop both a consistency in your style and also uh, reflect the particular vineyard and vintage conditions. And so uh, it, it was especially interesting going from 2011 to 12 uh, with the red blend because they were such opposite years in many ways. But I think we succeeded in making the kind of wine we want to make both years. This one uh, instantly bursts out of the glass. with It's just a big bowl full of fruit. And it, it, it's absolutely, you, you, you know, it's tantalizing to me. And, and it was from the start. Doug, tell me what you think about this wine, because it's a very interesting blend, and I know you're a big fan of Morved. It's a dance. I think it's really a fascinating wine, because I, I, I individually I can identify each of the varietals, but at the same time you would think that, well, that's kind of a strange bedfellows. But at the same time, it works. There's no question. Um, I love the earthy sort of, um, you know, the bottom that the Morved brings to the wine. Um, I think it's it's very predominant, although it has a lot of that spicy character, too. So uh, to me, um, I'm, I think this is a really fascinating direction and reflects a little bit on what we're doing. But now here it is, in our case, uh, with uh, Malbec and Tempranillo. Thank you. They're very, very kind words. I appreciate it. Let's talk about some of the tannins in this wine. Um, they're, they're firm. Is this uh, all grape tannin? Just a touch of barrel? Yeah, the... None of these wines spend uh, much time in barrel because uh, they're they're blended. the The red wine is blended uh, right about now. We're doing the blending, so it's been in barrel for no more than six six months, seven months, and many of those barrels, the the, the highest percentage are neutral barrels, uh, but they're they're drawn from uh, three or four different vineyards and different lots from those vineyards. So the actual barrel percentage of new oak, I don't have a clue. It's not much. <laughs> it's not much. It's no. not much, and it, and it, it's only in there for a few months. No, it's not overwhelming at all. I don't think this is barrel tannin. This this is clearly the grape skins. And is this, is this Malbec tannin? Because I know Malbec can have that just Absolutely. a little bit of astringency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, and I think you're not going to get that from you know you're not going to get that from Merlot necessarily. Um, to a degree, maybe Mourvedre, but uh, well, I think no, you nailed it. The Morved does give it that earthy, uh, slightly mineral kind of base. Yeah, it's like black truffle. I uh, love that. Yeah. I've, I've always been intrigued with the grape. Yeah, and this vintage, we actually cut the Morved in half. It was fifteen percent mm. in eleven, and we knocked it back to seven in twelve. It's just the way the blending, you know, showed up. It's still playing a very important part. So blending trials are all about. Well, Paul Gregett, congratulations on a brand new project, and uh, I'm sure the wine industry is is tickled that you will, you're joining the ranks of babysitting barrels <laughs> and stirring blends and things like that. But congratulations on Waitsburg Cellars. Thank you so much. Uh, and Doug McRae, um, I know we've spent some, so much time today, but just not enough. So I want you to come back, and we want to have to spend more time because we have to talk about SalitaWine.com. 
Very good. So, um, looking ahead, next week, uh, I've got another fantastic show, and I think we need to make this happy two-hour radio. Can we do that? <laughs> we talked. I want everyone to write into the producers here and say, you know, we demand more. This is it. We are. You are the 99%. We want to feed you uh, all that you want. Because next week, I've got John Bookwalter of Bookwalter Wines. And also, chef extraordinaire. Talk about an empire. This guy rose from... Well, I don't know where he came from. Actually, I do. His name is Ethan Stoll, and he's got now 10 restaurants. The guy must not sleep. I don't know how he does it, but he does it well. He's got Rion 13. He's got How to Cook a Wolf and a new one called Chippies. And uh, that is an ode to fried fish and chips, which must be, I mean, if Greg, it's doing this with Shannon Blanc. I'm sure Ethan Stoll is doing something cool <laughs> with some great fish. And we'll also chat up about Canadian whiskey with a friend of mine from Young's Columbia, Drew Mayville. Uh, next week's Happy Hour Radio. Hey, don't forget, we've got a great event. Uh, it's called Swirl Washington, and it's in Spokane. Uh, it's put on by Visit Spokane, which is the best little town in America, next to Walla Walla and Waitsburg, I'm sure. Um, and if you want to get out there and visit Paul Greggett, you can uh, at least stop by the Walla Walla Wine Spectacular. It's happening this week, June 19th and 21st. This is your chance to get in on the action. We're talking about Syrah. Hope you had a good time here on Happy Hour Radio. I've always had fun chatting with you. Um, Remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.